Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the hills of Massachusetts, western Massachusetts. We're so thankful that you are tuning in, listening, wherever you may be. We really appreciate that. Today, we're going to be finishing the book or the letter to the Hebrew Christians. We're going to read the end of chapter 13, reading from verse 20 through the end of the chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. And there's a Bible in the pew if you didn't bring one. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you, Greet all the, your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. May God give us understanding of his holy word this morning. Amen. So I have a little word of prayer before we start. It's a good place to start. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness, your goodness, your mercy, your compassion, your benevolent grace. We thank you for each one, wherever you are, that are listening to this message. And we pray that we can come to know Christ as our personal savior, to know for sure that our sins are forgiven, that we are on the highway to heaven. So use this message. Help us to learn something new for the very first time and take it home with us practically so we can live out our lives on a daily basis to bring you the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we come to the end of our study in the letter and it's a long letter to the Christians, the Hebrew Christians, the Jewish Christians. The title of this message, and you've got a handout, some of you should have had one already, like to follow along. And all the answers are in the sermon. The title of this message is Hebrews Conclusion. Hebrews Conclusion. The letter was written 
from a man in prison. He was obviously a high-ranking leader in the early church. He's written from, a, a, from jail in Italy. He's in prison. Timothy was released. This meant that the one who wrote this letter was hoping to come to these people that uh, he's writing the letter to, but he wasn't able to do that. But Timothy was, and he was to bring his greetings to them on his behalf. Whoever this writer was, he was a high-ranking leader in the early church and a Jewish scholar and was steeped and very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And I am convinced that it was the Apostle Paul. It may not have been, but I, it's, having studied through this book, I am convinced that it is the Apostle Paul. Never mind. I believe so. And at the end of this chapter 13, he closes with what's called a benediction. A benediction. And like I said last week, I do know a little Greek. It's not just the guy that, you know, works in the pizza shop. And one little word, benediction, it means blessing. Benediction means blessing. In fact, most of the Apostle Paul's New Testament epistles, his letters, always end with the benediction. Like this one which is another strong indication that it was him who wrote this letter. But whoever he was, because we can't be 100% sure, when we get to heaven, we'll ask him. Was it you or Apollos? <laughs> whoever it was, he ends by asking a blessing of God upon his readers. For peace, for peace. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. God alone is the source of true peace. And if anyone places their faith in Jesus Christ, God will forgive them of their sins. And it's then I should say, and only then, will they find true peace and rest for their souls. It's only then they can experience true peace in this life that they will never find anywhere else. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So those that are not justified by faith don't have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you can only get true peace. Second half of verse 20. Our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. The Apostle Peter, chapter 2. For his first letter, verse 25, he says, "You, For you were, past tense, 
You were like sheep gone astray. But now, this is present tense, you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And the Apostle John, he quotes Jesus in the 10th chapter, who said of himself, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Do you know the shepherd? Is my question. Do you know the shepherd? Because it says he knows the sh who the sheep are, who's part of his church, and we should know him if you're part of his church. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. So if you don't know the, who the good shepherd is, then you're not part of his flock. Amen? Amen? Verse 15, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, his church, his sheep. If you're not a sheep, then you're a goat. And then God raised him back to life again. Jesus willingly died for his sheep so that we could be saved from our sins, become part of his flock. But like the animals, that species, the sheep, his sheep need protection. We need protection. We need protection from this world's humanistic philosophies that are opposed to Jesus Christ and God's holy word, the Bible. We need protection from our old carnal nature that is opposed to the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives. And we need protection from that old serpent, the devil, who seeks to destroy us, even though we have the victory through Jesus Christ, death and resurrection on the cross. The devil will try any method. He will try anything. He will try and use anyone he can to make us ineffective for the furtherance of God's kingdom. So when we don't share our faith with others, as a prime example, that makes the devil very happy. If you don't serve God, that makes the devil very happy. If we serve sin, that makes the devil very happy. We are not to be led astray like shall I say, dumb sheep? Because sheep are the dumbest animals God ever created. Not us, I'm not referring to us, I'm referring to the animal. First John 3, 7 through 8, dear children. See, we've been, become part of the family of God. 
Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Jesus sacrificed his own life so he could deliver us from the power and the bondage of sin, the devil, and eternal damnation. That's number seven. Those that are paying attention, I know you are. He's delivered us from the power of sin. He's delivered us from the power of the devil. And he's delivered us from eternal damnation. Thank God. For therefore there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? If you're not in Christ, then you're outside of Christ. And condemned already. That's what the Bible says. Read it. Romans chapter to 8 verse 1. The good shepherd has established an everlasting covenant, he tells us there in verse 20, between God and his people, his sheep. The covenant, as you know by now, those who come regularly, is an agreement. Covenant is an agreement. In this case, established by the blood of Jesus, to have our sins forgiven and be baptized by the Holy Spirit into his body. His body is the church. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not saved. You're not born again. And then you're not part of the church. God provided a way for us to be able to come into his presence through the sinless, precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. On that cross, on that cross, perfect sacrifice when he offered up himself. Only the blood of Jesus has delivered us, his sheep from the wrath that abides on sinners. We were all sinners. We are born sinners and sinners need to be saved and there's only one that can do that and his name is Jesus Romans 5 9 it says much more than being justified by his blood there had to be a perfect blood sacrifice to appease the anger of God being justified by his blood we shall be saved oh really can God actually, the God of love, can he, can he get angry? Yes. He said he hates sin. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Wrath, the wrath of God abides on sinners. That's why they need to be saved. That's why we needed to be saved. The sad news is that God's 
condemnation still abides on those who have not become part of his family, who have not become part of his flock. He is the good shepherd. Simply by faith, believing by faith what he did on that cross. Believing in Christ's finished work on the cross. It's not that difficult. It's very simple. Children get saved all the time. They don't try to figure it out. They just believe it by faith. And that's how you save, through faith. Believe it in Christ's finished work on the cross. The good news is anybody can be saved from the wrath to come. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. He died for everybody. For God so loved the world, not planet Earth, but the people living on it. Of course, everyone will not be saved. But they can be, as long as they receive Jesus. My question is, have you? Verse 20, 21 again. It said, Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. The writer prays for the will of God to be done in the lives of those Hebrew Christians. He said, equip you, verse 21, with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the writer is praying for the will of God to be done in the lives of those Hebrew Christians. We need to pray every day for God's will to be done in our lives, to live by faith, to walk in the light, which is pleasing to God. However, the will of God is not perfected in us by our own willpower or our good works. All those are good. Good works are good. But that's not going to make it perfect in the eyes of God. What does? Equip you with everything good for doing his will, that he may work in us. It's him that works in us, what is pleasing to him. As we yield to the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who's working in us, and we allow, we yield, we allow him to conform us to mould us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And no matter how hard we try, and some of us have tried very hard to be perfect, we can never perfect ourselves. Never. We will fail every time. The will of God can only be perfected in us by the power of God who lives in us. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. The power of God lives in us. We have the power. Paul wrote to the Philippians, good news, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will, there's a promise, 
perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what God started, he'll finish. One day we'll be perfect. Some people think they are now. See me later, I'll tell you they're not. When we get to heaven, well, then we'll be perfect. When our mortal body, this mortal body, shuttles off its mortal coil, we're no longer subject to the sin nature that lives in us, that is opposed to the godly nature that lives in us, having been born again. We have, did you know you've got two natures living in you? You've got the old sin nature that will always remain in us while we live in this mortal body. And we've got the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the new nature. Who do we yield to? Well, that's, that's where the battle is every day. By the things we say, the things we think, the things that we do. Is it pleasing to God? We must confess, no, no. But he's working in us. And what he began, he's going to finish. We will be perfect one day. So, nobody can save us from sin's condemnation except one, Jesus Christ. It's God who does the saving through faith, through our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. It's Jesus that does the saving it's Jesus that does the keeping. And Jesus gives us the power to live according to his will. If we choose to. See, God never made any robots yet. And if he did, it was a perfect one. If we choose to, we have choices to make every day, either to do what is pleasing to God or do what is pleasing to us. We can either serve God or we can serve ourselves. And I sang to my friends from Athol the other day, a Bob Dylan song. You've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And I won't do the Bob Dylan accent. <laughs> I could. But, you, you, you know, the food is waiting. And thank God for that. I'm almost finished, honest. If we choose to. So there's the rub. It's a battle. We're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle, people. Every day. But you know, that proves that we're saved. Because if we weren't saved, it wouldn't matter what we did. It wouldn't bother us at all. But it does when we get out of wills, God's will and do our own thing, which is unpleasing to God. But we have the power. Let's make the right choices. Lord, help us to make the right choices every day. And the writer, you know, is ending his letter here and he encourages his readers to do what he tells them to do for their own benefit. Brothers. And sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. 
For in fact, I have written to you only a short letter. What? This is a short letter? I can't imagine how long his letters would be. If you're a long one. How long have we been working on this one? Rick probably knows. I'm not putting you on the spot. It's been a long time. And I think we've actually had about five sermons out of this last chapter alone. It's been a long time. He says, in fact, I've written you only a short letter. Imagine how long it took him to write that. If this letter is brief, I can't imagine that, the length of his big ones. So finally, he ends with a blessing, a benediction. Remember what benediction means? Blessing. He ends with a benediction, a blessing. Verse 25, grace be with you all. And you know, it is, Christian, the word grace translated in the New Testament comes from that Greek guy again, meaning charis, charis. It means, and this is your final answer in, verse, in uh, your questionnaire, number 10. What does it mean? What does grace mean? The unmerited favor. Unmerited. That means we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. The unmerited favor, blessing, and kindness of God. Just pick one of those. You know, we can all be gracious, and it's, isn't it wonderful when people are gracious to you? I hope I'm gracious to you when I meet you. I hope you're gracious to me. And it's a wonderful thing. We can be gracious to others. But when the grace, the word grace is used in connection with God, it takes on a more powerful meaning. Grace is God choosing to bless us rather than curse us as our sins deserved. His unmerited favor. God choosing to bless us rather than curse us. Remember, the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. But thank God for the rest of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Grace is the benevolent love and compassion that originates from the heart and the will of God to the least deserving, to the least deserving, like us. That includes every one of us. We are undeserving sinners by nature. But God pours out his benevolent gift of love and compassion from a heart of love for each one of us, the least deserving. That's grace. And thank God for the grace of God. Amen. Thank God for God's mercy. Thank God for Jesus Christ. That he saved us because he loves us so much. So, final. That ends. 
That concludes the letter to the Hebrews. Amen. Thank God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful again to be able to study through your word. We thank you that you've helped us do that. And may we not forget the things that we've learned and never forget how much you really do love us. We may not deserve it. In fact, we don't deserve it. But you pour out your benevolent grace and see us part of your family without sin because Christ is in us who was without sin and now that we have received him your blessed Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit lives in us to conform us to teach us to comfort us to reveal to us your word and the truth found therein and to mold us into becoming more like your son. Help us to be as gracious to others as you are to us. And there may be somebody listening to this message, wherever you may be. You've never received Jesus as your savior. It's simple. All you've got to do is simply believe Acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you're lost without God and simply believe that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. He shed his sinless blood to wash away your sins, that he died for you because he loves you so you wouldn't have to pay the penalty, pay the price for your sins, the sins that you commit in your life and then believe in your heart not just simply in your head that he died for you that he was buried that he rose again from the dead and he's alive and all you have to do is call upon his name to save you saying Jesus I'm sorry for my sins I know that you died for me forgive me come into my life and save me and he will answer that prayer. And I hope and pray that you do. Thank you. And God bless you all. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colerain for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colerain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.